0: Hello and welcome back to JLXP. Semifinals are done. Finals are on the horizon. And we are here podcasting from the T1 facility in Seoul. I'm going to be doing a solo podcast here at the start. And then the second half of the episode is going to be a podcast with Huni. We're going to be talking about semifinals. But more importantly, I think the majority of this is going to be talking about Faker because his performance last week and his career is so remarkable that I think it's time to talk about it again. That's all I've been thinking about, and that's all I think most people have been talking about. And just a reminder, we have this podcast and another podcast that we'll be releasing after finals on the JLXP channel. We also have two Let's Go videos left, one on the LCS channel, the other one also on the LCS channel, so remember to tune into those. And without further ado, let's talk about Worlds. This last week was a really, entertaining semifinal week there was this impending fear in the air even for people that are just general league fans but i think more importantly in korea when t1 was against the world and it was actually t1 against the entire lpl that's what it was looking like because they were the last quarterfinal to be played last week they beat lng after three lpl teams had qualified through. They then had to play against JDG, who were on the golden road, were the tournament favorites, and had been looking strong the entire time, and also had the player who many considered the best in the world at the time, Ruler. And it seemed very likely that there was going to be an all-LPL final in Korea, which was definitely, I think, bringing flashbacks to 2018 when there was a Korea versus Europe final in Korea. And it felt like that was going to happen. But then the fact that T1 was able to beat LNG, that they beat JDG this week, and now they're going to be the favorites once again going into the finals against a four seed is absolutely incredible. Even if it seems a little bit like we had this script last year when they played against DRX, this is different. This is much more momentous for T1, and Korean fans. I'm gonna get into the reasons for that. I'm gonna get into some of the breakdown of the semifinal series. I think there's some really interesting storylines about how this could affect the Shai's legacy if he's able to win his second world championship here in Korea as a carry top laner. Crisp, I think, has an interesting arc where he can win his second world championship as a support, joining only Beryl and Wolf. And I think there's also some really interesting stuff with Xiaohu potentially being, and this, I'll get into this later, but just gonna plant the seed maybe the second best player of all time, three MSI titles, a world title, seven worlds appearances, just something to think about. But mostly, we need to talk about Faker. And I've been doing some deep dives just reminding myself of the type of career he's had. I mean, some people have said that you could split Faker's career in half and he'd be the goat in both halves. I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do think you can take the sum of his accomplishments, have those accomplishments, and he would probably be the goat twice. And I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning because I think it's just a fun conversation to have with the different eras of Faker's career. I actually feel like there's been almost four eras for T1, and by relation Faker, the first one would have been his first world championship in 2013, and then subsequently his dominant spring in 2014, and then failing to make the first world championship in Korea in 2014, which was obviously a huge letdown for him. But that was like, to me, that was the birth and the explosion of League of Legends. That's a year after Korea got there. League of Legends server. It's where we really got to see the beginning of the Korean dominance that was going to be League of Legends. And Faker was 17. And when he showed up, he was so much better in lane than basically every other player that he was just able to dominate so many early games. And that's where you got the beginning of things Faker does. That's when he won his first world championship. I actually talked to him after the first world championship on the caster desk at the Staples Center with him at Impact. I went back and watched it the other week. It's just a blast from the past. My questions were terrible. You don't need to watch that interview again. But just the fact that he was the best then when that was the beginning of major League of Legends competition, in my opinion, where the whole world was really striving to compete at the highest level. And if you look at players from that era, so few of them were actually able to maintain because even the next year with that same T1 roster, they were unable to repeat because the influx of new talent at that time was so huge that this massive upswell just pushed so many players to the side to fall off the hill. And back then, there was this feeling that when you were like 22, your hands fell off and you couldn't play League of Legends anymore. And obviously Faker... And many other League of Legends players have completely shattered that assumption. But that was literally the feeling at the time for so many people. And then we moved in to I think the next era of Faker, which was when the T- the two T1, because there were sister teams back in the day, not super important, but the second T one was the merging of two of the T one teams where they kind of took the top players from each team and pushed them together. And that was the Bang Wolf Faker era, where They won two world championships in a row. They won MSI in 16 and 17. And then they lost in finals in 17. So that three-year stretch, really, of three consecutive world finals, two consecutive titles, is the most dominant era of any team in the history of League of Legends. Then after that, we had 2018 which was probably Faker's worst year, all things considered. It was the tail end of the most dominant team ever. They started messing around with slightly different roster iterations. Bang was still on the team towards the end of the year, but that was their worst year. They lost in the first round of the regional qualifiers, missed Worlds by a long shot. So that's kind of where the third era began to me, 2018 through the end of 2020, was this searching to try and find the magic of what the most dominant team ever was. And that's where I feel like they had the largest upheaval of new players that Faker was playing with. We saw Teddy on the team. Mata came in at certain points. The 2019 year, they actually won spring and summer in the LCK, but lost MSI semifinals and world semifinals to G2. So 2018, 2019, probably like the, weirdly enough, like the darkest time in T1 history continuing on to 2020 because they didn't make worlds there either. So those three years where their two big international appearances actually ended as defeats to the hands of Europe, of the four eras, by far the lowest era. And then I feel like at the end of 2021, when T1 went through this massive experimentation of bringing in Danny, who just won the world championship on Damwon, Danny was running this 10-man roster, this highly controversial 10-man roster pretty much the whole year. T1 was struggling like crazy. Towards the end of the summer split, Danny and the team part ways and they bring in the kids. They bring in Owner, Gumayushi, Karia. Zeus hadn't quite joined the team yet, but four fifths are there. Zeus is actually too young at the time. And they actually kind of go on this crazy run where they make LCK finals In 2021 summer, 2022 spring, 2022 summer, 2023 spring, 2023 summer, five consecutive LCK finals, which gives them births into five consecutive international tournaments. Their worst result in any of those 10 tournaments, so five rounds of LCK playoffs, five rounds of MSIs and Worlds, their worst result is tied for third yet they have only won once 2022 lck spring so for me even even without a world like even without a world title it's kind of close if we're trying to compare the first two years of faker 2013 to 14 as being like the second or third greatest era of faker all time the greatest era still i think is the bang wolf faker bengi era this is going to be the second greatest area. And if he wins, it's going to be the second greatest team run of all time. But the fact that this team of Faker and the teenagers basically have went on this two and a half year run of always making LCK finals, always making it to at least semifinals at international events and being so close so many times, there's never been a team like it that has been this consistently good yet this consistently unable to close the deal. So I know that was just a lot of Faker information, but I have a little bit more (laughs) that I want to talk about. Um, Specifically, just some stats digging that I did. In terms of games played, uh, obviously Faker is number one all time in international games played. Also number one all time in international quarterfinal, semifinal, finals, uh, overall games played. An interesting tidbit, is Xiaohu is actually number two in both of those lists, slightly ahead of Bang and Wolf. So he's been sneakily around for an extremely long time. But, okay, that was a huge amount of history. Let's get into this past week of games and even this past World Championship. The energy around T1, I think was drastically different than last year. So, last year, they were basically expected to win Worlds because their spring was so good, they won every single best of three. They were the undefeated spring team. They also won the LCK back then. The rest of the year had these astronomically high expectations and anything less was a failure. This year, because Faker missed a significant amount of time in summer split with a wrist injury, Paw came from the LCK challengers. They went 4-14 four and 14 without Faker. Combine that with the fact that the LPL was so dominant and they, one of the most dominant teams of all time, became the underdogs, which I think really helped take some pressure off but also just made it way more entertaining. Because I I was joking with Chronicler because he was, you know, celebrating the T1 win and super relieved that they were able to make finals. And everyone in Korea is super relieved that they were able to make finals. There's this massive outpouring of support for T1. They were already the most popular team in Korea, but even fans of other teams in Korea, KT, Genji, they they're like switching out their merch for T1 merch to go support these guys. But... It's, it's actually just like they were literally in the world finals game five last year. Like they, they, were, they were an inch away from winning the world title. Yet the fact that they made it back to this point again is like, whoa, like amazing. They did it. But it's because the journey has been so dynamic for them this year. And you really saw the intrinsic value of Faker, which is so rare to be able to see in a League of Legends team because it's so difficult to know what communication is like, what one player's influence on the map is going to be versus another player. Because I test-wise, Poby obviously wasn't as good as Faker, but you could tell the difference was just so much larger with what Faker does in-game. And then the fact that here, Faker is the best performing mid at the tournament over 10 years, well, actually 10 years into his competitive career would have been unthinkable in 2013. This is something I talked with a lot of people about. You know, I talked with, uh, I, mean, I mean, I've been talking about this kind of all-world championship with Zven, with Ashley Kang, with Castor June, with Chronicler. This aura that T1 has around them where When they do something good, it's the loudest the crowd has been all tournament to that stage. And when the other team does something good, it's like crickets. And that can manifest in one of two different ways. That can be really hard for either side, depending on how you react to it, honestly. Because like, it's just so unusual to have that disparate of a crowd advantage in a League of Legends match. And I think in this most recent semifinal, that probably got to JDG. Kanabi, in particular, in game four, on his Belveth, made some really questionable decisions. And it allowed T1 to clutch up in some pretty massive ways. Faker with the solo kill towards uh, one of the late dragons in the game, and then Faker making another crazy Azir play towards the end of game four. One of the reasons that I felt like this T1 JDG series delivered to such a high level was even though it was 3-1, it held tension through every game. So game one was a T1 stomp, massive crowd momentum. Game two was a JDG stomp. And then at a certain point in game three, right when JDG had secured Baron, was pushing down mid lane, had a 4,000 goal lead, it felt like, oh no, is this going to be like the KT-JDG series? Because KT had an amazing game one against JDG and then lost the next three. And at that specific moment, we actually saw a historic League of Legends play. Faker swoops in over the wall, pushes back Ruler in the mid lane. They get a clean ace and they rush the Nexus. And even though that moment didn't technically eliminate JDG, that was the moment that the series turned. And it's insanely poetic that it was Faker versus Ruler, much like when Faker last had a chance to win his World Championship against Ruler, 2017, when he was going for three titles in a row. Ruler in the mid lane on Varus slams Faker's Karma with the Verus Ultimate. They win the team fight. They win Worlds off of that. And Faker hasn't won since that moment. So that was just an unbelievable moment to witness live. I was in the stands. I'd never heard them louder. I couldn't contain my own emotion. I was, in that moment, I was super biased. I was a Faker fan. I did not want to see JDG do anything, even if the Golden Road story was super cool. And I think probably 95% of League fans are similar because of the the things that Faker means to League of Legends in Korea, the things that Faker means to League of Legends in the world uh, for all the things we just talked about. So I don't want to belabor it too much. I'm also going to be getting in Huni. I'm going to ask him a bunch of what he, what he thinks about Faker. But that was just really an emotional historic moment in League of Legends uh, to be able to do that in Korea, in front of the semifinals crowd, qualify for finals, uh, this next week of finals is going to be so insane. Not only for the reasons that Faker will be going for what is essentially a capper to his incredible career, winning his first world championship in six years if he's able to do that. Seven years, actually, because his last world title was actually 2016. They fell so short in 2017 by getting swept. They were so close so close to winning in 2022 that looked like it would emotionally destroy them. And it may be something they'd never be able to recover from. They have yet to win a tournament since that moment. They lost both LCK finals. They lost loser bracket finals at MSI. And now they might be able to do it. So that's, I know everyone has probably already heard that story, but, It is just something that I think is such an incredible story that I wanted to restate it. So, okay. A little bit of gameplay stuff. I think one of the things that turned for T1 to allow them to do this was, weirdly enough, the bot meta. And it's super unique that we started the tournament with teams first picking and handshaking Alistair and now we're at the point where they're just blinding Varus Ash because they want perma push. It's such a massive shift. And what's crazier to me about it is even though T1 is the ones that seemingly were behind this because they pulled this out in quarterfinals to beat LNG, after that moment, the LPL went into their own little scrim bubble, not playing T1, basically agreed that that's the way they needed to play League of Legends, which I feel like puts T1 at a huge advantage because when Caria is able to look at the entire team comp, and make his support pick, counterpick, he might be the best player in the world. And that's what people were saying back in 2022 and even little bits of 2023 when he was able to do this. So the fact that the LPL almost self-selected into this meta and didn't continue hard-forcing the hard engage Nautilus, Leona, Alistair Rakan, puts T1, in my opinion, at a huge advantage. And it's one of the biggest things that has shifted the tides at this world championship. And objective power is a really hard thing to notice in League of Legends because ultimately people end up hindsighting what the strongest champions were based on who wins the world championship. And overall, this is an incredibly balanced game. If people actually decided that Alistair Rakan was the way, the optimal way to play League of Legends five weeks ago, and now the optimal way to play League of Legends is double range permapush, that's crazy that we've had that big of a change on the same patch. I don't know if we've ever had that big of a bot lane meta shift mid world championship, but also it massively favors T1. I want to talk about Weibo BOG a little bit. The shy storyline is so unexpectedly amazing. So he wins worlds in 2018. I think a forgotten moment in his history was actually world semifinals in 2019, when I think IG was actually pretty close to repeating. They played FPX in the semifinals. And there was a moment in game four where the Shy was on Kale. This was back when level 16 Kale was giga busted. He got to level 16. He had his five items. IG was pushing all the way into the FPS nexus. And he literally just gets hooked by Doinbee's Nautilus. He gets ulted by Verisalt. He never self-alts himself on Kale. He gets one shot. IG gets aced. And on that push, they get eliminated from Worlds. And that was essentially the end of like the IG shy dynasty. Since then, he hasn't been back to Worlds. And when he made it back to Worlds on this Weibo team, people didn't necessarily expect them to do much. The number one, the number four seed from the LPL, they start the tournament by losing their second game against G2. Like no shot that these guys win the world championship. But now they are literally one series away. And I think if he wins, he will have a very strong argument for best top laner of all time. And this is a discussion that weirdly doesn't happen that often. Like the GOAT debates happen in other sports, partially because the GOAT faker is so clear, there's no discussion. But trying to figure out Who the GOAT in other roles is, is probably the topic for another podcast, but it feels like the Shy might be able to do it here. If he can win Worlds as a carry top laner this many years apart, 2018 to 2023, that's pretty good. (laughs) He had a deep run in 2019 as well. He's been so influential in the way so many people play top lane, but it's such a crazy career arc because he was at his peak he really struggled in the LPL for half a decade. And now to come back at this point and what he did to Bin last week, pulling Graves, destroying his Aatrox, really whenever they could deny Bin's jacks was just outclassing him. And Bin has been the best top laner to me. He had been the best top laner this entire tournament and the shy gapped him. That was really, really surprising for me to see. So him being able to do that and if he could do a similar thing to Zeus, would actually, I think, catapult him to number one all time for top laners. Need to think about that a little more. There's other top laners that are, are competing for this. It's actually a really, really complex, difficult conversation to have. Um, Marin would be up there. I think depending on the things you value, impact could be up there. There's, that, that's a future thing. That's maybe an off-season project. Next player I want to talk about is Shahu who, I don't know, it feels wrong to say that a win would make him the second greatest player of all time, but his resume reads like the second best player of all time if he wins. Three-time MSI champion, 18, 21, 22. He won an MSI as a top laner, so he's a multi-role MSI champion. He's been to seven worlds, He has the second most world games of all time. So his ability to progress far enough into the tournament, even if worlds haven't ended great for him, his best finish was semifinal. He usually gets eliminated in quarters once he got eliminated in groups. A world championship would really be an amazing cap for Xiaohu. And there's a lot of other stuff that needs to go into this, like how many times was he the best player on his team? What does his domestic success look like? Again, these discussions have never really happened in League of Legends because Faker is so much the GOAT. But Xiaohu is up there. Xiaohu is way up there in terms of greatest players of all time. And if he is able to win this Worlds against Faker, as long as he doesn't do it by playing Malzahar three times, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big conversation. Another player, Crisp, winning Worlds again. He won on FPX. If he wins here on his second unique team, he'd join Beryl as the only players to win Worlds on two unique teams. He'd be one of only three supports to ever win two World Championships. Wolf, Beryl, Crisp. It would just be very impressive. So this FPX team is, is massively underdogs. DRX last year were also massive underdogs so I don't think T1 is going to be sleeping on it, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Like, just the fact that this T1 team, five straight LCK finals, five straight international tournaments, eight total finals. Of the eight finals, they've won once. There's got to be something mental there. This would be an amazing moment for them to break through. I think based on the narrative This would be one of the most appreciated Finals 3 O's in world's history, if it happens. I hope for the raw entertainment value, we get something similar to DRX versus T1, or even T1 versus JDG from this past week, where T1 is actually down in gold in mid-games and then is able to make massive, high-pressure clutch moments happen. But we'll have to see. That's literally why we play the games. One final thing I want to talk about is JDG and how difficult it is to actually achieve the golden road because nobody has ever done it before. A lot of teams have been close. RNG, G2, and now JDG have won spring MSI summer, fallen short at Worlds. A T1 team of the past, 2015 T1, actually won... MSI, Spring, and Worlds. They missed Summer. It is so incredibly hard because the meta can shift like that. And you literally can't have a bad day. You can't have a bad finals day. You can't have a bad MSI finals day. You can't have a bad quarterfinal, semifinal, or final. And I think ultimately, JDG had a little bit of a bad day. I think the meta shifted out of what they had been dominant with the entire year. I think Kanavi played well below his level on the day. I think Ruler played fine. Guma had an amazing series which shot him down. I think Knight played fine, but Faker had a GOAT-level performance and they lost it. Like, they, they were probably still the best team of the year, but it just goes to show how incredibly difficult it is to win spring, summer, MSI Worlds. And JDG was a great team that fell short. And it's one of the things that made the T1 win so meaningful and satisfying is the tension that existed before the matchup. So anyway, that was a that was a long deep dive into Faker's history and some of the meaning of this year's world championship. And I can't wait to talk to Hooney about Faker T1 in this upcoming finals. Okay, welcome back. We've got Hooney at the T1 facility. Thanks for taking the time. For those of you who don't know Hooney, you're, you're pretty accomplished. Yeah. 2015 LEC rookie of the split. Yep. Undefeated fanatic season, world semifinals that year. Mm-hmm. One of the best regular seasons in NA history on Immortals. Mm-hmm. MSI champion and LCK champion in 2017. World finalist in 2017. What did I miss? That much.
1: I mean, yeah. LEC two times win, you know. Yeah. And LCK won. That much. I mean, NA kind of, you know.
0: You were so close. <laughs> you were so close to winning in three The funny regions. thing
1: is, the funny factor is actually, I've never been to your final in NA. You've been, to you know, finals,
0: you've been to finals weekend though. Yeah. Yeah. It was close. I've
1: got a lot of third place. That's it. Which is like, ah, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Uh, still, still one of the best. I I want to talk about a lot of different stuff. Um, but one interesting thing that I want to talk about with you first was uh, on the train back over here, I was trying to think about like top lane goats. Mm-hmm. It's actually really hard to figure yeah. out who the top lane goat is because I was trying to figure out if the shy winning if that would make him the top lane goat because of two world championships but he's also been like so irrelevant for a large portion of his career in the LPL even if he was good in lane i thought about the argument for you actually if you would have been able to win in 2017 yeah. maybe because of the LEC titles the NA career the Korea career i don't know do you have like a a thought of who the top lane goat would be
1: no i mean the funny thing is like i mean that's a really you know interesting thing the sentence is that the for me is like i think it's only top lane is all the top lane player top like top laners are so inconsistent Mm -hmm. like if i have to choose one lane that is like like it's really like least consistency it's like for sure top lane yeah and then that makes like pro i think that probably because like what we are playing the champion as a champion pool also the as of what the lane the actually make you to be I have to play like 1v1 consistently Yeah, playing just like, you know, like with the jungle. Like the lane the changes
0: so much from year to year. So like, it's so to hard win. to be
1: like, stay at the peak. Yeah. So that's why I think, as you said, there's no like, clearly you can actually say the one person, mm-hmm. it's a goat. Yeah. But I do agree with if Delshake wins these wars, how I feel is like, there's no two times top winner, Correct. right? Correct. So he's going to be the first one. hmm So I think that's really fair enough to say that he is the GOAT. Wow. If he wins. Yes. If he wins.
0: Okay. Last week, or even the week before, as a former T1 player who almost made it, how nervous were you during the quarterfinals and semifinals? How happy were you when T1 won? Just kind of walk me through how you were feeling these last two weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, it started with the JDG. Like, yeah. for me, like, even though I was re- really rooting for t 1, I thought it was no shot.
0: Because JDG was so good.
1: I, like, I thought it was, like, no chance. Because, mm. like, as you said, like, JDG, with the performances, like, were so crazy. Like, even though they're behind on Oli, if, if they are winning Oli, they're just winning no matter what. Like, they're just fighting so well that, I mean, I just, I can't see what they're seeing, you know? Right. Like, they see something that is, like, really special that people were so... Unpredictable, like even as a professional player perspective, like right, I was like, damn, they're they fighting these the angles fight. they could find in team. And, like, I was like, no, it's like it's just not possible to win, but like they just always win, even though it's like 40 to 60 or 30 to 70, it doesn't matter because they have a confidence that they just win with the just every scrimmage, every just uh, single team fight that mm-hmm. even though they are like probably not favorite spot, yeah. So, that's for me, that was like really crazy to me.
0: That almost sounds like how people used to talk about T1.
1: True. Back in like sixteen seventeen. <laughs> yeah, like even though you are ten thousand gold behind, it doesn't matter. It's just SKT. You just go. You know. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, but that's that kind of reminds me like when I when I'm thinking about the, the JDG. Like yeah. like I just haven't, didn't really actually believe that JDG were gonna actually kind of have a tough time mm-hmm. against T1. But mm-hmm. but I mean, as soon as they just win, you know, take some games against JDG, I was like. Dang. Yeah. They got some chances. And yeah. also, and especially with the, you know, ev- as everyone knows, when Faker just Azir just flipped over the ruler virus. Oh, oh man. That was insane. Because was...
0: the, the way the series was, they smashed game one. They got beaten pretty handily in game two. Yeah. Game three, they were losing. They yeah. were down 5,000 gold. That specific Azir play where he swoops in behind ruler, kind of angles his wall a little bit, catches him anyway. Mm hmm. Ha- who who sees that angle?
1: I don't know. He sees it.
0: And also, did Ruler... Do you think Ruler misplayed? Or...
1: I mean, I would say, like, if I actually have to review about that specific fight, I'll say, like, the how JDG were, like, the positioning it, like, also the sieging, the con like, or the control on the map were mm-hmm. a little bit poor. But still, doesn't really matter because like, they were ahead. They had a Baron. Yeah. And as you said, like, the T1 was actually losing his side. And also... It's a game three. It's a 1-1. Yeah. If JDG took that game, there was a big chance JDG it goes final, 3-1. by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the game three, whoever win that win the, the moment probably has a really great chance to go to final. At the same time, the when Faker, then make them that play. If he misplayed or if something a little bit go wrong, the game's end. Yeah. So, which is, that's really crazy to me. It Even, even more crazy to me because, like, if Faker goes in and lose the game, mm-hmm. it's on him. Mm. And then he made the play. So, yeah. It's kind of sick. It was, it was kind of, it was, it, it was, it it was amazing. Yeah.
0: It was amazing. It was one of the best moments. I mean, obviously, right now, it feels like, in terms of individual moments of Faker's career, he's won three world championships, but he didn't have a clutch moment like that yeah. in his world championships. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be fun if they end up winning. To look back at that moment, especially because in 2017, and you experienced this, there was almost the reverse moment when Ruler caught Faker in mid to knock Faker out.
1: I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was like, I was like considering, uh, should I say it or no? Like I was like a little bit, like at least like happy for Faker that we lost against Ruler in 2017, back like, mm-hmm. in the days and
0: he revenged. He revenged. <laughs>
1: so I was like, oh. Uh, damn I'm happy for him you know
0: yeah it's fine if you don't want to go into this too much but I'm actually really curious because you played with fakers six years ago yeah and you actually won LCK with him Mm -hmm. you won MSI with him and then you lost world finals with him so you got to see what he was like in the greatest victory but also in one of the greatest defeats I I'm kind of just curious what what it was like. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it was like a lot of depressions, obviously, after just losing. For the loss. Yeah, for yeah. the loss. Which is, it was a really, un- ex- ex- I will say it was like, on little, it was like really hard to sip it. Like mm-hmm. that actually just defeat, because like, we weren't actually expecting that it was kind of a 3-0, which is like, right.
0: How confident were you feeling back then going into finals? Because the world's run there was pretty shaky. It was like a three-two to RNG in semifinals. Yeah,
1: and three-two against Misfits as well.
0: Yeah, really close quarterfinal that nar- narrowly escaped.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know I played pretty well against Misfits, but I played kind of a little like I played poorly against RNG, mm. and that's why I will say it was like it went to go it went to actually just game win game five for yeah. RNG series especially. But I mean, go back to the you know, the Samsung series, which is the four finals, Mm -hmm. like, our expectation, at least it wasn't 3-0. Yeah. Surely it wasn't like, it definitely wasn't a free win. You Mm -hmm. know, obviously it was like,
0: I think it's like really doable. That's what we thought. Yeah. Like, I mean, at the time, I predicted T1 to win the series. Like, easily we were, like, I I was like,
1: personally, if if I think about back, I wasn't really actually have an exact number, but I was like, really confident going that series, like, Like Mm -hmm, mm 60-40. I mean, 60-40 is a really big number in professional league. Yeah. So, I was like, even though we lost, like, first game, I Mm thought we will still have, like, great chances. Like, you know, just keep playing. Like, just see more opportunities. See more, just at least, like, try out more or something. But Mm -hmm. I think that that's why we kind of lost against, you know, the crown balls are three times mm-hmm. in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Un- unfortunate. uh, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, um, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, that like, coma is like still, like, he, oh, he, like, I just met coma even yesterday.
0: Is he still thinking about that series? Yeah,
1: he's like, he always regret, like, he, he actually have only one regret draft. He's like, that's it. Wow. So that's how, like, big the the defeat was. Yeah. And it's like if he go back. You know, he would definitely change. And also, at the same time, he learned a lot. That's what he said. That's so like he mm-hmm. always, I think, like, he really appreciated the player and also really, you know, sorry to... He always apologizes wow. to me as well. Yeah. Like, to all the player like, I should have done that. We should have done that. And that's why I think it was, like, even more sad. Because, like, there were so many things that we could actually... Could have done better. Could have changed. Could have done... Could have been all changed, like a lot of things like not the draft just everything just playing you know you know just like mindset opportunity right. just catching opportunity like we weren't like we weren't actually fully ready probably maybe
0: and mm-hmm. it would have been the third world championship in a row for t1 it would have like Which just, is, so many things i yeah. don't
1: think it's gonna you know I, there's no way even i mean 2015 and 2016 like two times in a row winning i don't never think been never, done since then yeah I don't. It, it's just three impossible. times in a row would have been. It's just impossible. <sighs> yeah. So, that's why I think it was like really close. Absolutely. And at least, I mean, go back to the 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 winning the moment as at least like after we, we win MSI and LCK.
0: Yeah. I so for the MSI, I don't think a lot of people remember this. I thought you played, you smurfed that tournament. Yeah. You were the best, maybe the best performing. Player that was at that my tournament. pick. That was
1: my pick. Whole you were career. So
0: good at that tournament.
1: That, that was my pick for sure. You know, everything was so easy. I just played out just naturally. It was...
0: Like every game, it felt like you were diving the other top laner. Yeah. Like 1v1. It was yeah. nuts.
1: So I was like, uh, I guess the game is kind of easy. <laughs> 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 I guess this is the League of Legends. I guess I'm kind of good. Yeah. That's what I thought. And that's why I think there was a little bit ba- the the negative effect, which is like, it was, everything was easy. Everything, the winning was so natural. Okay. So it wasn't like, it wasn't really happy.
0: You know oh, what I mean? Like, it was,
1: like, really... It wasn't really satisfying.
0: There wasn't... It actually didn't even feel challenging.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of have to go back again as well, like, when I was in Fnatic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my... I'll say, like, I did have a, like... Like, as a mentality, like, my... Like, always, I always had, a like, motivation issues when I was a player, as kind of... As okay. everyone knows. I like, your Achilles heel. Like, almost. not playing, like, solo queue, you know? Yeah. Not, you know, just playing as much as I can or like my consistency level was not
0: mm-hmm. high. I was mm-hmm. say like I
1: could like my pig is there for sure but it's like I'm not yeah. playing good like a lot of time which is like that's my patience level but the thing is like it's starting from my fanatic days mm. which is like I want everything. <laughs> the
0: world's <laughs> this is this is a tangent but your world with fanatic you were the reference point in my worrying trans meme. I don't know if you remember that at all. No. But I had this super viral tweet where I was like Here's Huni's solo queue stats at the world championship, and you're like win rate and LP. And here's C9 Balls's solo queue stats. <laughs> oh, and I remember you were that. like Master, and he was D2. I remember that. Yeah, and I was like, This is a worrying trend. And then everyone flamed me for picking on balls for like a month. Yeah, I remember but I mean, because the Bulls were stuck in diamond. Oh, I he remember. was stuck in D2, yeah. yeah, but you were still pretty high yeah. in Korean solo queue, so yeah. you weren't that bad in solo queue, is all I'm saying because yeah. you, you were actually at the time my reference point for like, This is what solo queue success looks like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, like from there i was like for me it's like winning was just too natural yeah so like it know like how i say is like if you're if i'm comparing like lose and winning mm-hmm. so i get more depressed than happy if that makes sense yes
0: oh 100 so been
1: from the i think it's starting from the Fnatic and it's like pick at the skt mm-hmm. that even though i won msi lck it was like for me it was like natural yeah it was like just i guess of course i need to win because like, mm-hmm. i'm the best mm. so that was my mind that was my mindset
0: so which can be really good for your confidence in Mm -hmm. game but then can be really bad for your motivation to practice and improve yeah what was it like playing with faker and i'll get a little more specific because Mm -hmm. we saw this year when he was not on the team they were one of the worst teams in the whole league yeah and now they're They're in world finals (laughs) so what i mean in it's also been six years so he could have changed a lot as a player in the last six years because that's a massively long career, even if we just take it from twenty seventeen till now. Don't even think about the twenty thirteen. Yeah. Uh, did he do anything there that was just like different than yeah. any other any other Easily,
1: I mean, I've been, I've I've talked to multiple times that like what he brings to the team is like, it's the same thing. Like when I I was talking about like the JDG, right? Like mm-hmm. they see something that I can't see. Right. That's the same thing goes to Faker equally. Like Faker sees something that we don't see. Like, there was a lot of time like we won after team fight oh what we need to do like it's oh everything is come down from faker what we need to do oh let's push mid tower right and away. go back to the baron yeah i still remember when there's one clip that we won. That we hard won. we stomped them in the team fight yeah and four people went to the baron but only okay. one faker was go to the mid tower and push the tower <laughs> so like in the game what happened there is like the faker was like the four people were calling just baron because we it, it, because it's free. Yeah. But Faker saw the angle that we can actually take two tower, three tower and go back to the Baron and we could still get it. Okay. So yeah. like, he knows how to maximize this, the, the, all the fight mm-hmm. and minimizes of the the losers. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think he's like the best. Yeah. As a team, I mean, that, because that's a team call. That's a all, everything. I mean, this is like really specific, just like small one thing. No, it's fine. But he does like every, like he doesn't keep consistently that he tried to find something that what can actually bring to the team that what is the best for t- for the team right and which is that's that, that's honestly that's really impossible for as a one player doing that yes. and which is that's clearly already proved because you, as you said when Faker was not there when Faker is in there it's completely different the T1 wasn't just totally lost yeah and right now they're playing way better as a team yeah so even for me when i was there the faker was like oh i'm gonna push this wave and go, like for specifically i think for for me it was like he was like even calling me that oh you have a top prior so you push top and commit we can dive dive this guy <laughs> or like i'm gonna push this mid wave and we can actually just dive top in 30 yeah. seconds something like these are like, so specific yeah and so detailed yeah so these things are yeah, uh, I would say it's like for the me, most like, biggest difference. The
0: mid laner seeing that they can push mid and then dive top is like, I think a lot of mid laners can do that. But I think more specifically, like the mid laner, knowing that you can get prio, have prio, and then to come mid is, is more rare. It's yeah. usually the top laner saying, yeah. I can do this. And then the mid laner be like, oh, if you can do that, then this. Yeah. So that's... I mean, it's just
1: like piloting the Summers Rift, basically. Yeah. So Playing it like
0: StarCraft. Yeah. No way. I mean, I, yes. I, I, mean, I've I've mean, he sees, seen, I mean, he sees the screen, yeah, but you, it's just crazy. I've seen the F keys and all the things he does yeah. to look at everyone's screen. So for me, just everything's easy, basically. Right. I just have to- f- Oh whatever, sure, it makes
1: your job a lot easier. Yeah, I just have to focus on my lane or just having my prio. Like, of course, just, I need to think about myself as well. But the thing is like, as a team, he does a lot of, he takes a lot of the percentage, the, the calling- Puts it all together. Yeah. So less, less pressure and Usually he's a has a way better, I say, the accuracy of the call. Yeah. So as a shot caller, I mean, he's like the greatest the
0: goat I've ever yeah played with. Amazing. I there's so much I want to talk about, so hopefully this doesn't go too long. But uh that will caught it, you know. Have you noticed a big difference between the different eras of faker? Right. So there was the. 2013 Faker, which I think was clearly different, where he was just like a better lane than everyone, mm-hmm. and then people kind of caught up to him in laning. And you experienced his shot calling. Mm-hmm. What's happened in the last six years? Because you were on his team, but now you kind of watched him from afar. Has he? Has he? Do you think he's changed since 2017? That much?
1: I think you brought up a really good point. Is like, I think the League of Legends, how the the patch note went, yeah, like in lane. I yeah. think it's like so hard in these days. It's so hard to make the lane gap. Yeah, as much as as before, and yep. also because the patch note as well, and because the player also got way better. Yeah, so the so fact that how he changed, how he actually adopted playstyle of him is, it's just like playing for team, and mm-hmm. also not actually losing the lane and making all the great the movement that people can't credit. Those right. things are, I'll say, he's the the strongest point. Yeah, the I mean, biggest strength.
0: He, he his is year this world. Everyone was playing the Ori matchup and mm-hmm. Ori was always winning. Yeah. And then Faker plays the Ori matchup and he loses lane, but then he wins the game. Yeah. And then in 2015, he was the only one who played Rise, like the whole tournament. Yeah. And he just it's went com- Won 10 stupid. games a row on Rise. Yep. And he's literally going to do the same thing on Azir if people don't take it away. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. It's well, just hard to tell, but it's a special.
1: I mean, it's so strong that already for the final draft, honestly, you just, you can't just like
0: both open. And it just pick pick like no matter like, what,
1: and or you can just you know pick other things. like let's say there's Kalista mm-hmm. or like there's a J4 you know mm-hmm. like Rumble there's so many fact that you can actually boost your team. It's not about him, you know. Yeah, because he can play just whatever his matchup, thing, whatever his matchup preference.
0: Yeah. So there's a other storyline I haven't talked about that much, and I'm curious if you can say whatever you want on this. Does the Danny revenge from T1 factor into finals at all? Cause Danny was doing the 10 man <laughs> roster on T1 in 2021 goes to LCK. Now he's, he's made it back. Yeah. Is that Everyone,
1: everyone's kind of exciting with it? They're pretty excited. Yeah. So, I mean, this is great. The storylines, right?
0: Yeah. So this is like a sleeper one though, because <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize that Danny is coaching Weibo because coaches aren't necessarily that celebrated outside of coma. Yeah. So
1: I think, Pers- I mean, I'm excited. Okay. I- I'm excited. And really you never, to- you were never even on the Danny J. Yeah, ones. that's what I mean. Yeah. Cause I mean it's gonna be it's the same thing. Like it's about the revenge history, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the war just, they used to work together. Yeah. And right now it's like they made, they they are facing in the finals as well. So and also the draft is really important. Yeah. Especially these words. I think especially these words the about the are Like I think there's so many defeat. It actually came from the draft. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Mm.
0: So, yeah. And just just for people that don't know, Danny was the coach of Damwon when they won Worlds in 2020, mm-hmm. joined T1 in 2021, and ran like a nine player roster for most of the year. Basically of 10 men, yeah. Super controversial in the Korean community. There were
1: so many different, you know, possibility of. <laughs> yeah, so many
0: different variations of players. But then when they parted ways towards the end of the summer split in 2021, that's when we kind of saw the first core of like owner, faker, Guma Carrier become more consistent. They went all the way to world semifinals, Mm -hmm. lost to Damwon. And then next year they obviously went undefeated. And it's like been that core since Mm -hmm. they added Zayusid when he went. Uh, But that's, that's where the Danny, for those of you who don't know, that's where the Danny controversy comes from. I want to talk about the, the recent version of T1 because we all know that they've been really, really good, Mm -hmm. but they haven't won that much. But the, the numbers are really insane. Five straight LCK finals, yeah. which means five straight MSI and Worlds appearances mm-hmm. as well. The worst they've ever done is tied for third. In 10 tournaments, but they've literally won once. How is that possible? That's why, I
1: mean, it's, that's, I mean, they are, they are good. they're they're, so good they're so good i mean that's why they are be able to like you said they're one of the greatest
0: teams of all time if you look at the two and a half year stretch
1: they attempt so many times in international tournament yeah and which is and also there's more chance that also they can actually lose if it makes sense you know exactly
0: yeah they because they've had more finals they can lose more finals yeah so it's like it's used against that's why it looked a little bit worse
1: yeah you know because like they are I mean, it is right that you, they actually didn't win with the that that core. You know, mm. the last team, the last time they won, which is like that's a 2016. Yeah. so. Wow. That, oh was, for that was the
0: bang, that was the Bang Wolf era. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's a little bit sad. I mean, also I'm the uh, last person.
0: You were so close. You were the you were the tail end of that first great T1 yeah. dynasty. I
1: mean, also you mentioned the MSI as well. I'm still the the, the most recent. the last international <laughs> yeah, T1 <laughs> no, champion. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> As a, as a korean then i'm the you know or lck represented you know yeah the last t1. guy yeah so so like it's a little bit sad like mm-hmm. honestly i do agree i think they attempt a lot they lost a lot at actually at the like at the peak at the final but mm-hmm. i think this is the chance you know they have to prove mm-hmm. otherwise it's got to be you know keep going like which is like there are so many people that still they don't believe yeah about t1 because they haven't won for a while yeah but this is i think i mean that's why in, in sports you have to win yeah you have to be at the first otherwise you know everyone just will you know
0: yeah i know a lot of times as well uh casters or fans will talk about the pressure in a different way than the players feel it mm-hmm. and it's really weird because the last worlds that was in korea in 2018 it almost felt like a debuff to be in korea yep Because no No Korean team team. made it even to semifinals. They lost in quarterfinals. And, I mean, Genji did didn't even make it through groups. Almost the
1: same thing happened this year.
0: But then this year, it it felt like it was going to happen, right? With the LPL knocking out the LCK. But now T1 has made this surge. And they've also, like, I was in the stands for the last JDG series. And when the momentum turned in that game three, like, it also felt like JDG broke like almost mentally from the pressure yeah but i'm i guess i'm just really curious what you think the current state of the pressure is and who it favors like is it now a buff for them to be here again or is it just always going to be a nerf because the pressure is so massive and if if it's ho- if you can do it if you put yourself in no, I mean, in weibo shoes yeah is it also crazy because if they do something good no one's gonna cheer yeah and if t1 does something good it's gonna be the loudest it's ever been
1: yeah but i mean for at least in my experience yeah when i was in 2017 in the final
0: and that was in china but it was korea versus korea yeah
1: yeah so there was a lot of t- uh, there was a lot of the skt one fan skt fan. it would be t1 favorite in the yeah. stands yeah and as you said, it was the same thing, like when we have some good po- good play, yeah. everyone's was cheering for us. Yeah. Like we were like way louder. Yeah. Well, thing is like, at least for me, it wasn't really anything like feeling the pressure. Cause like, I mean, this was worst final, mm-hmm. but honestly, it was like, it's already massive that being in the final.
0: Yeah. The spectacle as, as, yeah. as a player, as a player, as a pro player. The Just, concert beforehand. Like, cause
1: I'm never at, at the moment, like I'm never being to the final. Yeah. So that that was my first time. So mm-hmm. I was like actually having fun, mm. on, which is like that's great moment. Yeah. Like that's that makes kind of like playing better for me. So I was like enjoying the moment. Yeah. So I think it's I don't know. It's gotta be up to the player. But the thing is, like I think obviously, as you said, having a pressure, not having a massive pressure, playing on the stage, are no good. Mm. Like obviously. Mm-hmm. So, I think T1. Everyone says. Has a prob or probably is like really favored against the Weibo.
0: Yeah, but said that last year against DRX too. That's what I mean. So
1: <laughs> that's the thing that has to be balanced with it. Yeah. Because like, even when I was there, SKT were like uh, we uh, in 2017. SKT was also favored to against
0: Samsung. Yes. And At, in the moment, then, that's what I mean. Looking back, you're like, oh, that Samsung team was really good. That's but what, in but the no, moment. Yeah. It was you one Yeah.
1: So it's the same thing, SKT, uh, the T1 also last year, as you said, it was a favor. And DC yeah. even game favor, so yeah. it's the same thing. Like they have to at least, like obviously it's like to not have to get massive pressure. I don't think mm-hmm. that will. Mm. And at the same time, the little bit of like, like Weibo's are, it was like a little bit underdog, I would say. Weibo's right? a big underdog, yeah. It's I like, mean the whole the force, tournament. Really. Like four seat, yeah. as a four seat on the LPL, they actually climb up to... The final, mm-hmm. no one actually expected. Mm-hmm. So they are a good team. They have a potential, like yeah. especially at the semi-final, how the shy, the crate, the oh, the, the the final, basically as himself, Grace. yeah. Like grazing j Charles, also he played Queen. Obviously, it yeah. wasn't like add. <laughs> didn't work as well, <laughs> but still, you know, he pulled it out. You know, so they do have a momentum. So for yeah, even though T1 is a favor, they can't take it easy, right? It's just. You know, it's got to be the same thing. Yeah. They just have to find just good balance between not to lose, you know, not to pressure. Mm -hmm.
0: I do wonder, so this is more of my, like, weird theory. It's kind of, it felt so amazing for all the T1 fans. Like, I could just see the environment. I could see the fans, even the LCK casters. Uh, Caster June had actually an amazing moment. Yeah. This is is actually a a weird...
1: It was wholesome.
0: It was so amazing. Like, I've never seen a stadium chant a caster's name yeah he's such a legend yeah
1: i mean he's been he's been doing that like for how many years i don't know like well, more even than even just years. in league
0: it's like 13 yeah and then before that Starcraft. he was already a legend yeah
1: so that was i mean honestly i was like personally i mean also i'm working as a caster as well right now so like him, i'm yeah
0: you've worked with a couple goats faker yeah. caster june <laughs>
1: yeah. it's like really uh respect yeah like because like he's so in it that he's actually a whole, he put a hundred percent. I I could easily see, like all the mo all the emotions from him is like actually just everything is about the that moment. It's yeah. like for me, like I don't think it's possible yet. Yeah, it's like it. Like I can easily say right now, it's like there's no way I can do that. Like what like what he done. So, what he does. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like kind of crazy to me that it was like really respectable at the moment that he was not showing all the emotional, yeah. that he loves the game. He loves the eSports. He e-sport, loves, it he so loves the moment. It's, it, was, it was really crazy. Yeah.
0: So that is like the proof that the moment was so special that even a guy like Castor June can be so involved. But if I take a completely cynical view, I'd be like, come on, they did this last year. <laughs> like they've made it to the finals twice in a row. True. So then I asked the question like, okay, why is this so much more meaningful than it was last year? And it's partially because last year, T1 was expected to win finals. Yeah. They had the perfect spring split. And sure, they didn't win MSI. Sure, they didn't win summer finals, but they always felt like it should- It's just sh- T1. Yeah, like it should have been inevitable. And then I think this year, because of the Faker injury and because of the LPL dominance, they were able- to sneak into the underdog territory again, which is a place that T1 hadn't been for a really long time. Yeah. Even when you were on the team, you were still the favorites all the time. Heck, even in 2019, when they won two LCK titles and lost to G2 twice, I still felt like they were expected to win Mm -hmm. because they're Faker, they're T1. And it's like almost because it's been, because of all the finals they've lost and because it's been seven years since Faker had won a title... And because they lost game five last year and because Faker was injured, all these stacking effects made them the underdog again, yeah. which made the moment unbelievably special. But now they're the favorites again. So it's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's back. Like that pressure but, is back.
1: But there was a one, the, the fact that Faker have never lost the BO 5 against the LPL team in Worlds. In Worlds. In Worlds. But he has lost MSI. in MSI yep. to Shaohu. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> There's so many there's so many storylines are Yeah. It's crazy. I'm gonna I am
0: going i want to get your thoughts on something that feels wrong to say, but might be correct. All right. If Shahu wins worlds, he's the second greatest player of all time. I see a reaction, you're like, no. So here's the case. I'm not sure of it either because no one no it's one hard to tell. No one ever talks about second best because right. it's more fun to talk about the best. And that's not even a conversation because it's a speaker. Yeah. But so second best, Xiaohu's won three MSIs. If he wins, he's won three MSIs in a Worlds. He's done it in two different positions. That's right. Top and mid.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: He had Crying as his mid laner when he won MSI in 2021. And in terms of total MSI and Worlds games played, number one is Faker, number two is Xiaohu. He's been to that many international games. He's that good. Maybe. Right? It was good. I think if ruler won on JDG, ruler would be second best all time. I think people had already kind of decided that was going to be the case. Yeah. So it still might be ruler. I don't know. Like I I haven't done a deep dive into Shahu's career because it's hard to do a deep dive into every player's career ever. True. But in terms of like resume, it's pretty good. If he wins. If he wins. If he doesn't win, no way. You can never be the second best player <laughs> he wins, without yeah. a world championship.
1: Yeah. I yeah. mean, if he wins, I think. Why not? As you said, I think yeah. he, he, he's been playing for a while mm-hmm. and he's being accomplished a lot. So, I mean, as you said, I think there's so many good players, like really, so really, good players. really good player as yeah. a, to be competing at the second best. Yeah. So hard to tell.
0: Uh, final thing on Faker, just because I don't want to miss it. And I feel like we're in such like an amazing moment in history for him, uh, 10 years as a pro player. How has he been so good for so long? Like, in 2013, I mean, how old were you in 2013? It would have, you would have been...
1: I'm like 15? 15, yeah. Yeah.
0: 15. Were you watching League back then? Yeah, I was playing. Yeah, you're, you're but playing But I wasn't watching.
1: actually watching all the Pro League. I was just focusing this the solo queue. Okay. Because for I me... I was a challenger Season 3 in 2013. I mean, you're just
0: God's gift to game. <laughs> like, world's first Lost Ark, big-time Overwatch player, le- almost League top-lane GOAT, but... At the time, there was serious skepticism that you could be a pro for like three years. Yeah. And now he's year 10. The best mid at worlds.
1: That's crazy. How is
0: it possible? Because you were a top pro, but like not for 10 years.
1: I mean, for me, it's like also, I think I would I would say like I play a lot, you know. I play a long time. Yeah. But the problem is like there is a faker that he's been playing more, and also he'd been. Just good all time. Like yeah. more more than like way more than me.
0: he's been either the best or close to the best.
1: That's what I mean. The whole time. Which is, I mean, I don't know. If I knew it, I would have done the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would have been yeah. you know, I would have been there if I knew it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like I think just seeing us outside the perspective of him, just like guessing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like I think he's I think he's the most crazy about the league.
0: If that mm. makes sense. He thinks the League of Legends He just loves 20% it so much.
1: He just thinks the League of Legends no matter what. Yeah. And his life is about the League of Legends. Yeah.
0: And has been for a decade. And for me, I can't. I wasn't. Mm. I clearly. Yeah. Like,
1: I'm like, no, my life was my, it's just my life.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: The League of Legends, it was like just, you know.
0: Yeah. The sacrifice is real, right? Like the sacrifice to get to his point in the other aspects of his life is absolutely real. Like League of Legends has for been sure. his life for 10
1: years. I mean, for me, I can't do that. Yeah. That's why I retire. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I got to take care of my life. Yeah. Not, my life is not about the League of Legends. Sure, it was, it was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't everything. But wow. for Faker, I think it was. It, it is everything. And it's still going on. Yeah. And which is... I don't know what makes him able to drive that far yeah. about, like, the League of Legends. But he he's so addicted about the winning, mm-hmm. basically. It's amazing. Like, when I'm playing with him, when I was playing with him, like, back yeah. in the days, like, even losing in screams, he was mad. Obviously. Mm,
0: e- yeah. He
1: had, like, what he makes a good day, winning the. it was winning the scrims. I and think, it
0: still gives him the satisfaction. It's yeah. like, today was a good day. Yeah. Because we won scrims. Yeah. Yeah. So I think
1: that's why, I think that's why he's still doing it, so that's why he's a player. He's the golden.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Analyst to me for a second. Not... You know, not emotional. What's your analytical opinion on what's gonna happen in finals? Mm. You can go as deep or as shallow as you <laughs> want. You could just be like, I hope they win and fingers crossed, mm. or like, where's the advantages? Cause on paper, I mean it looks like they have an advantage in every role.
1: For me, I think the Weibo. Mm-hmm. For Wave, I think it's easier to start for Wave, they That like yeah. how
0: how do they win? How T1 are they be
1: like? Let's yeah. say they're winning the. Let's say they they won against the, the T1. Yeah. How are they gonna like? What's the process inside? Like if I'm guessing is, the Doshai has to pop off, obviously, right? Yes.
0: Kind of like he did against Bin. That just seems. That's where the, the Raveo actually how the
1: win con actually is turning from the mm. Doshai mm. actually. At least he need to win. It's not about like he need to stomp. like he's. He need to get like all the enemy tensions, like they mm, actually they care mm. about the top, like oh they put the resource on the dashai, the and attention then, top, and then the dashai just you know slips it, and yeah. those kind of things are needed for Weibo. That's why I feel
0: right. But <laughs> but then the bot the bot meta because Weibo's bot lane actually did pretty well, yeah, in bracket stage, yeah. But Carrier have they set the meta? They're crazy. They're playing
1: Zinbar, you know. They're playing like Caitlyn, Ash. Like, yeah,
0: the fact that they won with Jin is kind of. Funny. Yeah. Because. But Carrier
1: Bard is good, though. Yes.
0: There's like, a, isn't there the long history of T1 fans despising Gumajin Jin? Yeah. <laughs> but he won a, He beat JDG with it, so it's worth it.
1: So it was worth it. I mean, the, everyone <laughs> yeah. was so scared, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as they pick it,
0: what is that? <laughs> he did it for the Bard, though. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean,
1: Carrier Bard is so good. So good. He's so crazy. I think you know, it was like, was it like quarterfinal? Was it quarterfinal or Swiss? Uh, I don't know. Like, did he make the play on the bottom? Like, just Q flash? Oh, yeah. That was
0: against, uh, it was against C9. We right? talked about that was Venn. He just like Q-Flash, then he like all three people behind the turret. It's, and so, just, like, cra- it's so crazy. Around.
1: That's that's like, I don't know. Like it reminds me like, like almost like MetLife life back in the days, you know, like mm. the support as a role that you just carry just alone. Yes. Yeah. Just solo carry, be able to make the solo carry from the support role. Mm-hmm. They're so it's like, it's so narrow, but yeah. he actually, you find a way that he can actually do it. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, go back to the our, our conversation, okay, sure, which sure. is like the T one. How does Weibo win? The, for me, it's like the Dolce has actually have to pop off, mm-hmm. but the thing is like it's a Zeus. It is. So, but
0: Zeus did really poorly last year in finals. True.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> true.
0: Just got to keep the tension in so there. A I little think bit. it's about.
1: I think it's got to be about the top. That's all. Okay. I Okay. Interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, it matter mid, matter bottom. Sure. But the thing is, like, it's about the top. That how much attention it will soak to the top, like which team will just actually have more attention to it. It's just going to be, just, win on, win, just winning on top lane these days, I feel like it's just, it's kind of important. Hmm. Like especially also both teams can play at Rumble. Mm-hmm. Right. Just playing playing Rumble right now, it's like just push top and even, yeah. he goes to the Drake and then he get the Drake and then he just go back to top and then he still win top. Yeah. Which is, that's, you know, yeah, it
0: can't, it doesn't make sense. And then Aatrox being a blind pick for T1, but the Shy having a lot of answers to Aatrox is gonna be really interesting. Like, yeah. does he blind Aatrox because the Shy will have counters? There's gonna be some draft stuff that
1: goes yeah, on. Yeah, I mean there's gonna be Narf or Azeus, like mm-hmm. there's so many there's it's really gonna be really interesting. Yeah. But I think also even bottom for I think, you know, obviously there's like Kalista mm-hmm. or like it it goes to it goes back to like Zara you Khan know, Kalista. There's so sure. many mm-hmm. like you say, Santa Tom. Ash Varys, blind, like like, <laughs> like Heimerdinger so <laughs> yeah. The board the, is going to be so super The spicy. barrel Heimerdinger it's flashbacks. It's going to be so spicy on bottom as well. Yeah. But I think the reason why I think the T1 has a little bit of favor is like it's about the owner performances. The owner's only, been really, really good. early pathing of like he's generating the, the lead of the team. Yeah. It's so insane. Yeah. And it, it is a little bit risky. Like, But a lot of the time, he gets so much reward. Yes.
0: Oh, which is like... The owner play... Uh, when he skilled two points in Poppy E. Yeah. And Flash killed the Shizuani <laughs> into the wall. If he misses that, he loses the whole That's game. That's what I mean. It's right? the biggest risk.
1: The risk, is like how much, he, how much he'll get, the, like he owns the risk, it's insane, but yeah. like he makes the play out. Yeah. He, he Somehow he makes it out. So, I think the reason why the T1 right now is like way more solid and it's like more consistent, like the level is like way higher. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because I think the owner step up himself so much. Mm. Which is like, not many people actually talk about these days because... Right. Obviously, Cause, was, I mean, like, there's the faker storyline. That's obviously. what I mean. It just dominates everything. But the thing is, like, owner actually step on himself, like, individually or, like, as a team, I think it's, like,
0: it means so
1: much on T1. Yeah.
0: And the young kids are actually really experienced now. hmm The five straight international events, the, t- the five LCK finals, they've been in so many high-pressure situations. Even though they're young... They're veterans, yeah. Which has got to that's, make them better. That's a strong point. Like you experienced your first world championship. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd play better in your second because yeah. you've been there before? Yeah,
1: obviously. But for I mean, I was giga tilted the first yeah. first words after. I mean, it was a Bo five. I still remember. Yeah, it was against of two course. tigers. Okay. Rain over through the game. Okay, I told him to not to go in. <laughs> I told him and he went in.
0: Oh, yeah. I, this is 2015 World when you words. got swept as Fnatic. Yeah.
1: It was semifinal. Game one. It was game one. I told him not to go in, but he went in. <laughs> and I was just so tilted I couldn't come back. <laughs> it happens. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, if I was more experienced, if I was actually have a more but yeah,
0: if never does that in uh, you know, quarterfinals of LEC, you're probably not nearly as tilted. That's what I mean. But if he does it in that moment. It was semifinal. I, yeah.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, just one example, mm-hmm. just like for fun, like mm-hmm. not too serious, but it was like, it was a little bit, it was like 50, It's a 50. really
0: good example though. Just of the, the higher the stakes get, the more everything is amplified. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. So it can make series become incredibly swingy and the momentum is actually more important. It, it's
1: more extreme for sure. Yeah. Because it is, you know, it is at the moment. It's like at the fi- semi-final is also final too. So for me, I think it's a really great point that you brought up, like the fresh. They are veteran. yeah, and all they are, they've been playing forever. They experience so so many times on the international tournament, yeah. That makes winnable.
0: It makes it winnable. <laughs> you never know. Okay, anything else you want to talk about? You've been great.
1: No, really. I mean, it's been, I'm just chilling.
0: Yeah, I don't. Or uh, missing any, anything? You stream. My stream. You stream right? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Various games. <laughs> He's really good at some other games too. Who needs a top tier gamer? Anyway, the finals is gonna be insane. Just. Finals in Korea with how pop-off all the T1 crowds have been with T1 in the finals and also being the favorites, It's if it's a 3-0, uh, it might be a very satisfying 3-0. Like, more so. Usually you want five games. I'm sure a lot of people would be happy with three. Uh, that's it from here with Hooney in the T1 facility. Uh, you're going to take me for a tour after this. I'm a guide. Um, yeah, just, just a reminder, there's the JLXP podcast here on the JLXP channel. There's also Let's Go over on the LCS channel, which will show the tour. It's going to show a bunch of behind the scenes moments from worlds really, and make sure to check that out as well. So that does it from here and we're gonna go get a tour.